Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Revelation. The book of, oh, all right. Y'all saw that? Y'all heard that? You, you, did you feel that in the room? Come on, this is our, our last service. Last service, best service. Come on, talk to me. Talk to me. Uh, I do want to say this. I'm excited about the 1130 service because we have no time constraints. I hope you packed a lunch. You know, it's funny because of the 8 o'clock service, man, I, I got to really land it, you know, right on time because that 930 bunch is coming in. And then at 930, I got to land it right on time because y'all are coming in. But guess what? Ain't nobody coming in after you. So I always have to truncate the message to fit the time. But now I got a lot of notes up in here. So y'all just fasten your seatbelts. Here we go. Um, we, we are kicking off this idea, this, this series thought, not just for the next several weeks, but our word for the year is freedom. Everybody say freedom. And we feel like that this is a declaration. I know when Rachel and I prayed six months ago, uh, anticipating what this year would hold for our church and for you and for your family, we've just been praying and believing that God is going to unlock some things in your life. That, that, that you're going to walk in a level of freedom that you have not known before. Uh, last week, if you were here, we, we talked about how freedom starts with knowing the truth, right? And how many of you were here last week? Awesome. And you showed up again this week. <laughs> so they'd be like, Pastor, you were, you were in rare form last week. Well, we're going to book a revelation today. What's up? What's up? But you, you can't experience the fullness of freedom apart from truth. And we know that truth sets us free, but sometimes before it sets you free, it may make you uncomfortable. Uh, but we're trusting in a God who loves us. He, he knows what's best for us, and he's written it explicitly in his word. In fact, the theme verse for this entire series and this thought is taken from Psalm 119, verse 45. And the writer of this psalm says this, but I will walk in freedom. And, and, and I love that because freedom is a journey. Come on, somebody. It's not just a moment. I, I don't want you to visit freedom this year. I want you to live in it. I want you to experience it every day. I want you to walk in it and grow in it. And the writer of this psalm says, I will walk in freedom for I have devoted myself to what? Your commandments. In other words, our, the, 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 the level of freedom we walk in is directly proportional to the commandments that we are devoted to. There's a certain level of devotion to his word. If you want to walk in the fullness of everything Jesus died to give you, it's going to come through a commitment to God's word. And so the series layout for the next several weeks, in fact, for, for January and February, uh, last week we talked about how freedom starts with the truth. Today I want to talk to you about how freedom, you can get freedom from the things in your past. Um, next week, we're going to talk about freedom in your habits. Come on. Don't get quiet in here. Don't get quiet. The decisions that we make daily. You know, how many of you know the decisions you make impact the direction that you take? 
And sometimes, you know, habits can work for you or they can work against you. And we're going to build some healthy habits this year and experience freedom in our daily decisions. Uh, we're going to talk about having freedom in your mind. I think this is a big deal because where do worry, anxiety, fear, depression, stress, where do these things love to hang out? Right here in your head. You can have freedom in your heart and still be bound in your mind. So that's going to be an important installment. And then we're going to take the whole month of February and we're going to unpack freedom in your relationships. Have you discovered that those who know you the best can hurt you the most? Come on, am I talking to anybody in here? I want you, I want you healed and reconciled in your relationship. And, and so it's going to, we're going to unpack forgiveness, how we've received the forgiveness of God and how forgiving others can set us free. In fact, and we don't have, you know, I don't have enough time on Sundays to drill as deep as I want to. So we're offering a class to you next month. And we're doing this across all of our campuses. But next month, we're offering a freedom course that will help give you the nuts and bolts of what we're talking about. I'm giving you some big, broad strokes, but there's some tools that you need to be equipped with so you can defend yourself. You know, we, we, we contend for our freedom. Jesus died to give it, but then there's some decisions and some diligence that we need to make to walk in that. And so I encourage you to make yourself available to that. Today's topic is simply this freedom from your past, freedom from your past. How many of you know we all make mistakes? Some of you missed a good chance to say amen right there. I told Rachel the other day, I said, baby, you need to embrace your mistakes. And so she hugged me. <laughs> That's not true. I just made that up, but I wanted to say that. That's kind of funny. <laughs> you know, the man who recognizes his mistakes when he's wrong is a wise man. The man who recognizes his mistakes when he's right is a married man. Okay. A guy had two tickets to the Super Bowl. Uh, both of them were box seats, and he paid $4,000 for both tickets. But he didn't realize that when he bought them, it would be the same day as his wedding. Yeah, how many of you know there are mistakes, and there's mistakes at a whole nother level? So he posted this on social media. He says, I'm looking for someone to take my place if you're interested. It's at 3 p.m. at the Renaissance. Her name is Christina. She's about 5'6". You know, how many, how many have ever made a mistake, and then in trying to correct that mistake, you made things even worse? We're prone to do that. We have a tendency to fall short. And In fact, I'll say this. The enemy of your soul loves to leverage your past against you. I think it's one of his favorite weapons. How many know the devil don't like you? Turn your neighbor and say, I don't like him either. Oh, yeah, we're at odds. We fight. And one of his favorite weapons to use against the believer is the resume of his past. And in fact, in, in Revelation chapter 12, I want you to hear how John the Revelator, I'm thankful for the revelations. I'm thankful for what God speaks to us through his written word and through the revealed things of God. But the Bible describes the enemy in really um, uh, graphic detail. I think this is one of the most telling things about the devil. And, and this is whenever the devil was kicked out of heaven toward the end of times. This is what has not yet happened yet, but soon will. Look at what John says here in Revelation chapter 12. I heard, verse 10, 
a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser, somebody say the accuser. That's the devil. That's the enemy of our soul. The accuser of our brothers has been thrown down. The one who accuses them both day and night before our God. Notice how the scripture describes Satan. He's an accuser. What does an accuser do? He brings accusation. He points the finger. He brings up the past. He brings up your past and my past. And the Bible says he does this before God day and night. He never stops bringing our past up before God in order to see our condemnation. Now, if you're taking notes, and I believe that history makers are note takers, I want you to write down, there's a recipe of bondage here. We're talking about freedom, but the enemy wants to keep you bound. In fact, Rachel and I were talking this past week, and she said, babe, I had this vision that as you were preaching and the word was going forth, that chains were being broken off of people. She said, you didn't even give an altar call. They didn't even have, to have somebody praying over them, but the word was doing the work. I want you to see how the enemy tries to leverage the sin, the mistakes of our past to keep us bound. And the first thing, if you take a note, it's right down the word guilt. Guilt. Guilt has to do with the things that we've done. And we'll see this in just a moment, but we're all guilty before God. And the devil loves to speak of our guilt to God. You know, I'm not trying to shame anybody, but all of us can look back in our past and see, man, I wish I would have done that differently. I wish I would have said that differently. I should have handled that in a different way. We are guilty. And this is where it starts, but it's not where it stops. Guilt then produces what's called shame. Everybody say shame. shame. Now, this is a big deal because I know a lot of believers who are locked in this vault of shame. Shame produces feelings of worthlessness. You, you feel so ashamed of, of what you've done. It starts with guilt, and the enemy accuses us. Look how guilty they are. But if we're not careful, guilt produces shame. Watch this. Guilt has to do with what we've done. Shame has to do with how we see ourselves. In the Garden of Eden, when God told Adam and Eve not to eat of the forbidden fruit, when they were guilty of breaking God's command, what did they do? They went and hid themselves. God shows up and says, Adam, where are you? How many know God's not confused? Anytime he asks a question, it's not for his benefit, it's for ours. He says, Adam, where are you? And Adam said, I was naked and ashamed, so I hid. Guilt produces shame, and shame causes you to hide. I know that there are people that have experienced hurt, and they're in some hideouts because of not just what they've done, but now how they see themselves. So guilt produces shame, and then shame creates regret. And regret is a heavy, heavy burden to carry. You, you agonize over the decisions that you've made and the pain that you've caused, and, and you live. Can I tell you this? Regret is a world that has rules all, all of its own. 
Regret blurs the lines of the things you can change and the things that you can't change. And the enemy will use regret. He will use the the, the guilt, the shame, and the regret of your past to mess up your present and to sabotage your future. Are you seeing this? Guilt gives way to shame. Shame produces regret. And then we end up in full-blown condemnation. We are just so condemned. We feel like God is mad at us, that God's waiting for us to mess up. We feel unworthy before him. I can't raise my hands. I mean, there's no way I can worship God. If if people in this church only knew about me, what God knows about me, and the enemy tries to use condemnation to keep God's children from walking in the fullness of their freedom. Are you catching this? How do we unlock the prison of our past? Well, I'm going to take the sledgehammer of God's word right now. We're going to let the word do the work because Revelation 12, 10, the Bible says that our accuser goes before God day and night. But watch this in verse 11. But they have conquered him. Now, how did God's children conquer the accuser? Two things. They conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they love not their lives even unto death. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Let's talk about the blood of the lamb for a moment. Can we do that? This is important. Now, let me give you a little biblical history, okay? I want to bring you through some Old Testament history, and then we'll get up to date and show you why the blood of the lamb is so important. Under Moses, there was this Old Testament sacrificial system that God put in place. The truth is, sin deserves death. Your sin and my sin deserve death. We earn nothing but death because of our sinful behavior. We are born as rebels against a just and holy God. And there is nothing we can do to live up to the standard of perfection and holiness that God demands. We're born rebels, hostile toward God. And in the Old Testament, God accepted the death of an animal, an innocent animal, in place of the death of the sinner. And so here comes the Old Testament sacrificial System. Now, this started in the Garden of Eden when Adam said, we've sinned, I'm naked, I'm ashamed. The first animal sacrifice was offered by God himself. That God took an animal and slayed an animal, its blood was shed. And with the skin of that animal, he covered their nakedness. We serve a great and awesome God. But it required a blood sacrifice in order for our shame and nakedness to be covered. Remember, uh, Adam and Eve had some children. They had two sons, Cain and Abel. Remember that? Cain was the older son. Cain thought that he could come to God without blood. And so he brought the best of his crops from the field to the Lord. Abel, on the other hand, took the best of his flock. He took the first and the best of the sheep that he was tending to. He sacrificed it unto the Lord. God accepted Abel's sacrifice, but rejected Cain's. Why? Because it wasn't brought with blood. Watch where I'm going here. 
Now we get into something a little more familiar. During the days of Moses, the Israelites were slaves for 400 years in Egypt. And you remember while they were in Egypt, on the, uh, on the verge of their freedom, God used Moses to introduce some plagues. There were 10 plagues, right? Nine of those plagues affected Egypt. One plague affected everybody, and it was the death of the firstborn son. When the death angel came into the camp, God said this, doesn't matter whether you're Israelite or Egyptian, you better put blood on the doorpost of your house. There was only one way of escape, and it was through blood. Exodus 12, 13, God told Moses, but the blood on your doorpost will serve as a sign marking the houses where you are staying. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. This is where we get the term Passover. The original Passover was on the eve of this exodus, and God said it requires blood on the doorpost. Now, as we, as we fast forward, okay, it's interesting to me how God says, I'm looking for blood. He wasn't looking for talent. He wasn't looking for ability. He wasn't looking for education, charisma. He didn't care about how much money the person made, what color their skin was. God said, I'm looking for blood. And when I see blood, I'm going to pass over you. You see, there's a blood covering that protected God's people. Now, notice this. He didn't knock on the door to see who inside the house was worthy. He didn't. Because the truth is, none of us are worthy. Isn't this good news? See, some of us are about to be set free, not just from bondage, but from religion. Because religion can be a bondage too. Your good works can't save you. Only the blood. God said, I'm looking for blood. Now, when you fast forward to the New Testament, here comes Jesus. And John the Baptist said of Jesus, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. This is where the scripture says we overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb. Who's he talking about? He's talking about Jesus. Now, God offered the first sacrifice, Adam and Eve, when he clothed their nakedness, and God will offer the last sacrifice, which is his son. And now, see, in the Old Testament, they had to keep offering sacrifices. Every time they sinned, they had to offer another sacrifice. Aren't you glad that every time you sin, you don't have to sacrifice an animal? Man, if that were the case, neighborhood dogs would be missing, you know? <laughs> Cats would be disappearing. People would be like, where'd little Fifi go? Uh, it was a bad night last night. I'm sorry. I... No, but it's not by the blood of goats or of calves, but by his own blood. You see, the Old Testament sacrifices were temporary. I didn't say this in the previous services, but it's kind of like credit card debt. The Old Testament sacrifice was minimum payments. Oh, they'll get you by from month to month, but they don't cancel the debt until the Lamb of God came. And when he laid his life down on Calvary, all of a sudden now, once and for all, every sin that was committed in the past, you see the blood reaches all the way back to Adam and Eve, but the blood also stretches forward to your kids and your grandkids and your great-grandkids. And the blood is present working in me now. Come on, somebody. Somebody say, thank you for the blood. 
some through the fire, some through the flood, some through great sorrow, but all through the blood. That's the only way we can approach God. That's why this is a church that preaches the cross. Because we believe there's power in the blood. That's why we sing songs about the blood. I'm thankful for contemporary worship. But you know what? Let us never be a church that moves away from declaring the blood of Jesus. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fountain, no. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Come on, put your hands together. Somebody say thank you for the blood. Kind of went Ric Flair on you, didn't I? Didn't, didn't realize that. Woo! Praise the Lord. So, so you know what, we do, what, what do we need to do to access this? We've got to repent. Well, Mike, I thought you said God forgives sins. Not all sins. I know I got your attention when I said that. But what sin does God not forgive? The ones we don't repent of. See, the ones we don't repent of are the ones we are judged by. See, repentance is not a bad word. It's a beautiful word. It's a biblical word. Hey, we say, Lord, I'm sorry. God, I confess and I repent. You see, judgment's coming. Jesus died on the cross to take the judgment that our sin requires and when we repent, then judgment is averted. Just like the death angel that came through the camp when he sees the blood. Oh, I'm passing over. That judgment that, that, that was really due us, Jesus took it upon himself when he died. And when we repent, guess what God does? Then he forgives. Watch what he does. Not only does he forgive, but watch what he does. Hebrews 8, 12. God says, and I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never again remember their sins. You see, the devil wants you to remember something that God has already forgotten. Not only does God forgive, but he forgets as if it never even happened. Is that crazy? That is wild. You know, several years ago, I remember waking up 5 o'clock in the morning. Trevor and I were going to work out, so it was dark. Everybody in the house was asleep but us. And, and so as I walked across the living room, we're, he and I were meeting up and going to, going to the gym. And I, I took some steps in the living room, and it was like slosh, 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 slosh. Water covered our entire floor. And then I hear this sound, and it sounds like somebody left a faucet on or somebody's taking a shower. Trevor's like, Dad, there's water running. I'm like, yeah, we're standing in it. It's, it's everywhere. And on the other side, toward the media room, I see out of this light fixture, water was coming down. I mean, just literally raining inside my house. There was a toilet that was leaking upstairs, and it had leaked all night and flooded not only upstairs, but it was coming down. And it was not a shower of blessing. Can I have a good amen? Are y'all feeling my pain right now? I made a phone call. I thank God for Serve Pro. 
I said, you, you guys got to get here. I got a mess on my hand. And do you know what? They're ripping up floors, flooring, floorboards, crown molding from upstairs. I mean, we had to just rip a bunch of stuff out. But in a matter of weeks, it was as if it never even happened. Is that music playing? Are they telling me it's time to land the plane? Josh, this is the 1130 service, man. They packed a lot. You're good. You're going to stay right there, but I got more to say. <laughs> Some of y'all are going to start coming to the eight o'clock service because you're like, I got to get out on time. <laughs> If you were to come to my house today, you'd never even know about it. You'd walk in and be like, wow, this is a beautiful place. I'd say, because of, because of Rachel. It's beautiful because of Rachel. But you wouldn't know about the mess unless I had told you. And it's the same thing. When God forgives, because of the blood of Jesus, he looks on you and sees holiness, righteousness, purity. Why? Because you're covered by the blood. Now listen, God forgives and he forgets. But guess what? We know we've been forgiven, but we don't forget. And maybe here's why. I think this is divine. We overcome by the blood of the lamb, but also what? The word of their testimony. Where are you going, Josh? Don't leave, don't leave, don't leave. That was feeling really good. I said, okay, there you go, there you go. We're back. <laughs> we overcome by what? The blood of the lamb and... The word of our testimony. Don't forget where you came from. You see, there's, there's prophetic power in our words. Words shape worlds. And maybe we don't forget where we came from because we're not supposed to. Uh, the word of our testimony. The, the testimony comes from the word testify. How many members growing up in church when they would testify? Oh, yeah, you'd have a testimony service. I mean, it could go for a while. Come on, sister, super Christian. She's going to tell you everything. You've heard the story again and again, but she's going to let you know. I love it because there's something faith-building when we declare what God has done for us. We say, hey, this is where I was, but it's not where I am now. This is what I did, but it's not who I am now. Don't judge me by my past. I don't live there anymore. Come on, somebody. You see, the word of your testimony, your test will become your testimony. Your mess will become your message. And the world needs to hear the goodness of God and what he brought you out of. You're not the same person that you used to be. Uh, listen, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a what? You're a new person. You're not just an improved version of your old self. You are made brand new. The scriptures say, old things have passed away. And behold, all things are made new. This is why we do water baptism. Now, Old Testament is sacrificing animals. Thank God we don't do that anymore. Jesus has become our sacrifice. What do we do in the New Testament? We water baptize. 
What is water baptism? It's a beautiful picture. When you go under the water, it's identifying with the death and burial of Jesus Christ. And it's saying our old self is buried. Come on. Some of you just need to do a funeral for the old you. Just go ahead and talk, tell that old you goodbye because it's buried under the grace of God. Every sin, the guilt, the shame, the regret, the condemnation is buried. And when you come up out of that water, you're identifying with the resurrected Jesus. And the Bible says the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now dwells in you. Some of you need to get baptized this year. You say, well, I was sprinkled as a kid. Man, this is a new year. You're turning the page. This is identifying a new season, a new chapter in your life. You know what God would sometimes do as well? We read it throughout Scripture. Sometimes people were so radically changed, he would change their name. Abram, I know that means exalted father, but you're not Abram anymore. You're Abraham, the father of many nations. Jacob, your name means deceiver, but you'll deceive no more. I'm going to call you Israel. That means God will prevail. Simon, you're a fisherman, but I'm going to call you Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against. Are you catching this today? You see, we overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. I can remember, let, let me close. I can remember my freshman year in college. I played basketball at Louisiana College. Big, I was a big-time athlete, in case you're wondering. In fact, the older I get, the better I was. Come on, somebody. I can remember my freshman year. We went down to New Orleans, and we played Xavier University. And coach, in that, that, that week of practice leading up to the game, he was preparing us. He said, Marsh, you ain't ready. And he talked just like that, too. Gene Rushing, Mean Gene the Rushing Machine. Man, I love Coach Rushing. Boys, you ain't ready. It's called the barn. And that barn is going to be packed, and it's going to be loud. You ain't ready, boys. I'm thinking, man, I'm a college dad. I got this. I've been in hostile environments before. But we get down to Xavier, and coach was right. The barn was rocking. The music was loud. Student section was just down on top of us. And at the beginning of the game, they hit us with a full court press. And you know what? I turned the ball over three times in a row. Three straight times. So much pressure, and I'm panicking. I couldn't make good decisions. And next thing you know, man, we're down 10 to nothing. 10-0 to start the game. Coach has to call a timeout. Sit me on the bench. Got in my face. He used some words that we don't necessarily use in this context. <laughs> he said, boy, what is wrong with you? Where are you? And you know what? I was so confused in my head. I didn't even want the ball. I didn't want it. Don't give me the ball. I was Xavier's best player. Man, they were scoring all these points off of me. <laughs> what was wrong? I was allowing old mistakes to mess up current plays. I couldn't flush it. I, I couldn't shake it. I was literally, I just, I took myself out of the game. I was in a whole nother world. And you know, the same is true for some of you today. You're allowing 
past failures to mess up current realities. You're going off an old playbook. Listen to me. Learn from the past, but don't live in the past. The past, it's, it's a point of reference, but it's not a place of residence. Guess what? Your past is paid for. Come on, somebody say, my past is paid for. Say, my present is provided for. Say, I'm free. Come on, are you free? Some of you need to be set free by this blood. Some of you need to be healed from traumatic experiences in your past. Guess what? The same blood that forgives is the blood that heals. Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit HealingPlaceChurch.org.